My mother brushes my hair back from my face. It's the first physical touch I've felt in weeks. The scent of lavender brings back poignant memories. My eyes drift shut. Have you been combing your hair? She asks, her hand trembling. It's a mess. I really don't want to talk about hair, but at least my mother is talking. Usually she just cries. I'm the one locked up, battling my demons. Yet she mourns losing her perfect child, her illusion of normalcy. Well, join the club. Any illusion of normalcy I had abandoned me more than a year ago. She has my dad, currently ranting at my doctor behind the office door to comfort her. Who do I have to hold me when I cry? I remember spending nights on her lap in the rocking chair in my bedroom until I was too big to fit. It took them four years to get pregnant with me. I'm their greatest achievement, and they used to remind me of that almost every day. But now look at me. I pay a lot of money for Lucy to be here, my father yells. His voice seeps through the door. Why isn't she fixed yet? My eyes pop open, and I shift in the uncomfortable hallway chair. Dr. P's reply is only a mumble through the office door, but I imagine him using that calm, placating voice the other patients hate. I don't understand their problem. I find his voice soothing. Maybe they don't like it because he sounds condescending, but I'm used to that. Between Sunday school teachers, pastors and my successful CEO father, I've been talked down to my whole life. I need a new comb, I finally say. My mom's eyes brighten. It was a strategic move. I know she needs a purpose, a reason to feel needed. Bringing me things fills that need, especially beauty products. She never smiles as widely as when she sees me wearing a dress. I've been the center of her world for years, and now that I'm gone, she seems so lost. More shouting comes from behind the closed door. Why don't they just invite me in? It's not like I don't know they're talking about me. I'm not a child. Tell Daddy to stop yelling at the door, I say. My mother looks at the door, worry in her eyes. He's trying to do what's best for you. Being here is what's best for me. It took me some time to realize that, and a whole lot longer to learn to live with it. She shoots me a sharp glare, but underneath, she looks truly hurt. Guilt eats at me every time I see her, and my father too. Angela, my therapist, says how they deal with my illness is their problem, not mine. But somehow, I still feel responsible for them. But I'm safe here. Lonely and bored, but there's comfort and safety. It all started two years ago, when I tried to get baptized. My mother's church had one of those indoor jacuzzi tubs they use for baptisms, only it was made of glass. I was terribly shy, and getting baptized fed into one of my biggest fears, 
standing in front of an audience. But my religious conviction ran deep. Deep enough to brave that harrowing trip down the aisle, clad only in a robe over my red polka dot bathing suit, and on to the stage where dozens of faces peered at me. My saving grace was that I wasn't alone. Four other teenagers were being baptized as well. This was a big moment in our lives, the proclamation that we were accepting Jesus into our hearts forever, a statement I took seriously. I was last in line. The first three went fast, and though I was nervous, I'd practiced the whole thing in my bathtub several times, so I was ready. Smile, say I do, and dunk. But when my turn came, it all went horribly wrong.